Hi and welcome to another episode of Zevo Talks. My name is Davina Ramkasun and today I'm joined by the wonderful Anne Gleason. We will examine the leading factors in employee burnout and how we can best combat it. We'll also have a look at how remote workers and office-based workers' needs differ and how employees can start looking at addressing both needs. So, hi Anne. Hi Davina, how are you? Good, how are you? Good. Not too bad, not too bad. Glad to be here. Oh, great to have the session on burnout. I think it's really timely. For sure, absolutely. I think that it's something that uh, a lot of us are reading about, experiencing, hearing about from other people. And I think it's so, so useful to be aware of what it looks like in the lived experience. Do you know what I mean? So that we can kind of identify these uh, ways of looking after ourselves. Definitely, because there is this like perception that if you're burnt out from work, you just can't handle uh, the work or Mm. there's something wrong with you because Mm. everyone else seems to be, you know, coping with everything, doing splendidly, still hitting targets, performance metrics. And and I guess with that, with the remote work thrown in, it's harder Mm. to see the days when people are going, I don't have a clue what I'm doing here. I can't handle this. There's too much to do. I'm so stressed. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? I think that uh, aspect of the separation or the detachment from the collective is such an important part of what's uh, impactful within the burnout experience at the moment. This idea of, uh, okay, this is now personalized because I am living in my own space. I'm in my kitchen. I'm in my sitting room. So this is my own kind of isolated experience. Mm -hmm. And also as well, like if we're in our own space for a long, long time, we're up in our heads. We have perhaps maybe unrealistic standards for ourselves, unrealistic expectations for ourselves. And we can be quite hard on ourselves. Do you know what I mean? Like for other people, we can give them compassion. We can give them the benefit of the doubt. But for ourselves, we can often have that really uh, tough process for ourselves. So if you think about that with the uh, experience of uh, the detachment of communication and the detachment of connection as well, or at least the kind of change in the format or the decrease of it, that's bound to have uh, an effect on people's day-to-day experience you know and that's that's tough going and it it really is tough going and burnout is um, classified under the international classification of diseases and it's in its application to work Mm. so it's not that uh, so it's specific to our experiences of work of chronic workplace stress that has not successfully been managed Mm. and all of those things that you mentioned um when the within the icd um 11 they they classify key three three key areas and they look at the feelings of energy depletion or exhaustion mm. um this increased mental distance from one's jobs or feelings of negative um, negative feelings towards work or and cynicism which is very interesting because you can hear that as one of the loudest symptoms i find in burnout when you mm. hear people talk about their roles Um, And when you can couple it with the feelings of energy, depletion and exhaustion, you can start piecing it together. Mm -hmm. But the last piece there is then just the the reduced professional um, output and efficacy, but Mm. also the confidence in yourself to do your role. It's a sense of, you know, coming back to that sense of there must be something wrong with me as to why this is happening. But Mm. really, it's, um, it's part of that process of how your personality is interacting with your work and the environment in which you have to do that. Mm. So there is a two-part process in this. It's not just all on the individual. Um, If there's factors in the working environment which are are, uh, facilitating this burnout, then that has to be addressed too for the employers. And I think that's where you know people in leadership they really understand um technical aspects of the work but this is why workplace well-being is so important because you have specialists like yourself and myself who understand the psychology behind it who are able to see this as um, part of a mental health illness as well it's not just um someone who's unable to do their wrong with their role but it really does leave the individual feeling as if this is my problem. This is all on me. Why is everyone else coping and I can't do this? Mm, yeah. And you know what? Like, I'm so glad that you 
kind of worked through that definition in a really detailed way because there is always that aspect of the definition that sticks out for me where I'm kind of going, "Mm, hang on a minute now, but it's this idea of has not been successfully managed. You could look at a statement like that and have that understanding of, okay, well, there are so many factors to this, like you say, the kind of structural factors, the need for other kind of influences and encouragement and input to be there, but it would be a natural tendency for it to become personalized because, you know, and especially in a remote setting, you're the only person that's living this experience. So you are the person that's feeling all of those different things, that cynicism, that lack of motivation, that apathy, all of those things tie into each other and they compound each other as well. But if it's a difficult experience then to kind of either acknowledge or to address if we think, okay, well, this is a me problem, as they say, you know, and it can be uh, quite challenging in certain kinds of workplace cultures or certain kinds of environments whereby there mightn't necessarily be enough psychological safety or there isn't that space to be authentic or to be vulnerable or there isn't that approachability. And of course, there can be a number of reasons for this. You know what I mean? But uh, as a whole, let's say, those people who are kind of in those managerial positions and in those roles of support and in those roles of care and and watching out for people and minding people need to be aware, I suppose, of the fact that it is a multifaceted Mm. experience. It's something that comes as well, like it's something that comes up over time and it takes time to kind of recover from as well. So it's such a complex process, even like to use the phrase burnout or I'm burnt out, it is now part of the kind of 2021 narrative because people are seeing it more, people are experiencing it more. Like I say, they have more of an awareness of it. So when something becomes like a buzzword or a buzz phrase, it kind of loses that uh, meaning as such. Do you know what I mean? We kind of step back from it. So we hear it and we think, okay, well, I know what that is, Mm -hmm. but we don't necessarily know the ins and outs of it or to understand that, okay, this is something that can be um, inevitable for for people if they are in that process of not having outlets or not having support. And as well, like to to, to kind of come around to that personalization piece as well, uh, it's so, so important for people to understand that this is not a reflection of of skill, talent, experience, ability, it comes down to uh, capacity. Mm -hmm. So capacity to be able to manage what's happening and also to lean back into that definition as well. Successfully managing something is not just a one, a one person show, you know, and for us to understand that capacity is uh, like, it's we're stretched so much at the moment because of everything that's happening around. And now I always kind of make jokes in my own work saying, I'm always talking about COVID and all roads lead back to COVID and all that kind of stuff. But really, we can't leave that out. We can't leave out the cumulative effect of working through a global pandemic and the impact of all of the intricacies yeah. of that on our capacity and how that reduced capacity can lead to aspects or symptoms of burnout and this is something that is uh, naturally widespread it's global the hint the clue is in the name but uh the idea of uh it being a collective experience as well shouldn't take away from us having the ability to step into our own space and to say okay well what's happening for me individually from all of these different factors and from all of these different complexities I suppose. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you've explained that beautifully. And I think um, just to touch on one of the points that you said there, it's that a burnout is the not having enough. It's, you know, Mm. you've depleted your resources to cope um, because you've been functioning at such a level because of the environment that required it. Mm. And it's just important to note that it's not just stress. Stress is something different. Mm. Uh, Stress is about too much work um and you know that can obviously impact our physical and mental um state but burnout is you know you've endured stress for so long um your capacity to cope um and your resources to cope um Mm. 
completely outweigh your um, ability to to recover. And um, and like you're saying, it's it recovery from burnout is one thing I don't think we hear enough people talk about mm. because because this process of burnout is usually very slow, gradual, and accumulative. Mm. It, that, again, plays games, uh, maybe mental games for the individual to say, am I imagining this? And and also because the energy um, fluctuates. So it's not just once you're burnt out, every day you're burnt out and, and you can't uh, get through your workload. Mm. There's naturally days where you have peaks in energy and you go, actually, you know what, maybe I was just having a bad day and, and yeah. I'm fine. Mm. And then uh, you have another couple of bad days that set in and you start to feel all these emotions and you're having all these thoughts and you're trying to piece it all together um, and you start trying to rationalise things of how you're feeling. But mm. that you know the the slow accumulative growth of burnout um and how it impacts us and it's just that sense of if it takes that long to to get to that point of burnout and understanding that when you get to burnout it's just it's not the same as resilience and just right you're out of that stressful situation i'm going to bounce back to my full force again mm. you know because there is a mental impact of burnout it might take you a while to rebuild your confidence in your skill set, to say mm. that you can handle going back into a type of role or into a managerial role and being responsible for a team's performance, or even just going and putting yourself forward for a promotion. Mm. Um, I, I hear so much now people are talking about jobs and we, we're thinking around the great resignation, but what they're saying in, the, in relation to looking for new jobs is, is this job stressful? And they want to know about yeah. the stress. They want to know about the culture. They want to know, you know, what the job is, mm. what support is available. And from that, they're going into new situations more mindfully than they would have done prior to the pandemic uh, because this, it, the, the values, uh, reorientation, just understanding what is good for my well-being may not be going into another high-pressured role or a role where you are concerned about culture or targets or how you'll be supported and cared for in, mm. in that organisation. Yeah, yeah. And, and isn't that such a wonderful thing that people are allowing themselves to ask these questions, that they're stepping forward? Because that depending on what your own experience is and depending on what kind of environments and cultures that you have experienced, that can be a really difficult thing for people to say, what is the, what are the stress levels like? What are the, 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 the emotional wellbeing, the mental health focus is like within this. And I think that there's something, I think that that really links uh, well back into that idea of perhaps why people are having those experiences uh, after within that kind of burnout recovery of saying, oh, well, I've had a, a, an energetic day. Maybe I was just um, imagining it. Maybe I just need to get back at it. Maybe this is second guessing themselves, yeah. basically. So, and even to kind of take that one step back further as well, why do people feel the need to get back into action immediately? Is it potentially because they... Uh, like have got that energy and want to take the reins or it could easily be a situation whereby there isn't that deep collective structural understanding of what burnout really means. Like you say, it's not just stress. It's not just having an anxious few days. It's mm. about looking at that, at, at the timeline of that and knowing that it's not a quick fix. Not It's not just a kind of a turnaround, uh, going away for a weekend coming back and you know there has to be that greater allowance for the reality of the situation you know and yeah I could imagine that people would depending on what their relationships are like and depending on what their their kind of uh, responsibilities and connections are like would be um, eager to to get back to quote-unquote normal yeah. but really this is where the the learning comes around this and this idea of okay we know that this is different like you say and we have to allow for the like I say that reality of the situation to come into play here mm -hmm. and is it a case that there, there are situations where it's like oh okay 
but, you know, get back as soon as possible. Whereas that's not going to solve anything. That's not going to allow you that recovery time. That's not going to allow you to take the rest and do what you need to do in those in that flow of energy when it's kind of higher and lower some days, that light and shade of the week where you need to cultivate those reserves, where you need to take that those slow periods and you need to take that rest and you need to build, build on those reserves, not just kind of, a kind of a strike while the iron is hot yeah. mentality of going, I feel great today, so I'll get back to uh, the way things were before. It's not the case. No, not no. at all. And, and the sentiment of, well, what are you going to do maybe to stop or to prevent your own burnout? What can mm. you do? What, oh, and, yeah. And, and um, I know this is controversial, but based on your reaction. <laughs> Go for it. Go for but, it. Um, no, I think that that's really important to note because while there are individual factors which may contribute towards burnout, such as perfectionism, um, it's not the whole picture. So we can't place all the emphasis on the individual to prevent themselves from getting burnt out. Say, for example, if you've got someone going into a job where you're con- you're kind of working longer hours than usual in terms of you might find, you know, the first couple of days, oh, it's grand, I'll just log on and do this. Or, oh, look, I'm, I'm at home. Um, I'm not doing anything. I'll just check my emails. Um or I'll just stay later and I'll get this done because then it will help with the workload tomorrow. Again, accumulatively, if you're doing that, you're because the workload is there and you need to do it. Um, those hours all accumulate. The demand there all builds in the background. And um, organisationally as well, you know, there's a, there's a way that the work can be done. But it, what we do know is even under times of extreme stress and pressure, if there is a high amount of support and resources and managerial support, like line management support, and if you've got a lot of control, that will create a significant buffer to the um, to the protected to the burnout from even maybe arising. But mm. if you've got you know unfavorable um, environment where you've got though you're working long hours, your workload is you know very high, maybe a couple of people's workload. Um, you haven't got enough resources or support and it's there's not enough maybe flexibility mm. then that's where you start to see the and there are other factors there as well which contribute towards uh, burnout from an organization's perspective but when you start to kind of look at how each of these blocks individually might not have a significant effect but when you start to have them accumulate that's yeah. when like and I'd say if there are any managers listening you know it, it's no harm just to kind of take stock of what your team's work is doing maybe seeing you know are they working longer hours is the workload uh, you know quite high even if there are seasonal pressures on workload, understanding that um, cyclical pressure that might arise, thinking about the resources that you can give them, but also in terms of what else is out there in the organisation, because we are looking at this from an organisational perspective as well, and we don't want it to be on any one line manager to prevent burnout. Mm. Um, but we do have to understand, do our teams have the resources they need to do their jobs, mm. as well as the support required? Um, and, and the pandemic as well, like in terms of autonomy and flexibility, these are two key things that employees are using their voice to say that they need more of. Because what we tend to find is when um, employees have a um, a voice, when they, they're able to make work work for them, mm. they're so committed to the organisation and they will have... Um, they will have a just discretionary effort in how they go about doing their work. They'll go the extra mile because mm. they know they're being looked after and they're being valued. Mm. And one of the things with burnout in terms of how it might be perceived by the organisation is it might just be look, look like a lack of interest or disengagement, like this person isn't bothered about their work anymore, mm. um, which can be damaging to facilitating a conducive um, plan or support to prevent that from escalating. Mm. Otherwise, it just feeds more into the frustration of both parts of feeling that they're not getting what they need from one one another. And there's not a sense of, as you mentioned, collaboration earlier. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and you know what? That is those symptoms of burnout that that would present as that. 
There are certain ones that are, are more kind of have negative connotations, let's say. So that apathy, that lack of lack of interest, I'm using my inverted commas here. Uh, but really like to go back to what you said about that idea of it. OK, what are you going to do about this? Yeah. For sure, that uh, sense of autonomy, that sense of agency, that sense of empowerment is so, so important when there are all of those uh, barriers and when there is that potentially, when there is that onus on not only what are you going to do about this, but what are you going to do about this not happening again? Whereas, okay, we need to take a step back and say, let me get out of this particular uh, experience of burnout first before I think about preventing it down the line. But also, yeah, it's, it's, it's something around that um, need to understand perceptions as well. Like we would have talked about this ourselves in our, in our own mm. social time, but uh, <laughs> with this idea of like, okay, everybody's perspective within the greater collective is going to be different. So uh, those people who are in a specific role and are part of a specific structure are going to have a different lived experience. They're going to have a different felt sense of what it means to be within uh, the workspace, both as an individual experience and part of the collective as well. So there needs to be that openness as well for understanding that perspectives will be different and pressures will be different as well. And dynamics will be different as well. So we have to take into account all of these unspoken things that can add to the pressure of the working day and add to the pressure of uh, the propensity or the potential for burnout as well and just what you'd said about uh, the idea of just just logging on for a little bit more just doing this this is something that is uh coming up a lot uh in my own work let's say around the just one more thing the, mm-hmm. i'll just do this one little thing especially if you're at home perhaps over the last number of lockdowns there's nothing else to do you're kind of thinking well i've nothing to do so i may as well just do this but yet you're you're kind of breaking those boundaries that are really needed when there are less kind of physical um, role transitions and there's less detachment from specific physical environments and there's less face-to-face engagement as well. So all of these are factors, but for people to be, yeah, to be so mindful of the the cumulative effect of that, that builds up over time, just this one thing. There are a lot of people that will, uh, work within industries and companies that are around the clock. You know, the work never stops. There will always be focus on something. There will always be urgency around some, something. So potentially or hypothetically, you could push, push, push all the time, but you shouldn't, you know, and to be mindful of the need for the need for the rest and the need for the break and the need for that to be paced throughout the day and throughout the week and to allow it as well. But that is a difficult thing if there is a kind of a, a, a burnout or a burnout style culture that people are working within because you can enter into a culture and understand what it is and you can disagree with it. But one person will not have this way to completely change the culture of a, a, a big collective or a big space. Yeah, you yeah know. definitely. Definitely. And I think all of those things are what make it so much more harder if you um, don't have a background in mental health um, to understand how, I guess, the the logical side of this process, Mm. uh, because the emotions become so entwined with how you're relating to one another, how you're being perceived and and then how you're performing. The biggest and most exciting workplace wellbeing competition is returning. The Fittest Workplace Challenge 2022. The Fittest Workplace Challenge 2022 is a company versus company wellbeing challenge that pushes organizations to measure up against themselves to ensure they are not just improving the health and wellbeing of their employees, but also creating fantastic engagement and keeping spirits high within their organization. Hosted through our Zevo Health technology, we keep your employees connected and engaged while promoting positive well-being, no matter where in the world they are. 
Do you think your company has what it takes to be titled the fittest workplace 2022? If so, contact us today for more information. ZivoHealth.com What would you say would be like if, so we're saying, you know, burnout is, um, is so heavily discussed right now. It has been before the pandemic, but it seems from the research and from the general articles and just from what's happening in workplaces, people are more ready and able to say, I'm not doing so well right now. Mm. Um, like for someone who is feeling that they might have identified with some of the symptoms that we're talking about, or the feelings or the explanations, like what would you say an employee should do in the first instance Mm. and I'm putting you on the spot here (laughs) oh listen I'm ready to go I'm ready to go this is on my mind all the time really it is it's always kind of going around because it's happening for so much uh people that I would I would work with and stuff and you know especially from the the therapeutic side yeah yeah yeah, for sure like yeah and it's something do you know what uh what really jumps out at me first and foremost is to try and detach yourself from the moral attachment. You know what I mean? I, I, I can phrase that better now, but <laughs> <laughs> just it's, it's, it's something that you don't need to take on as a personal reflection. It's not something that is a flaw. It's not something that is a shortcoming. It's not something that you need to personalize by saying, okay, this must be because I have failed in some way. This must be because I am not good at my job. This must, and then because these things um, spiral, don't they? Mm-hmm. Especially when we're in our own space and like what we had said about capacity, emotional experience would come into that capacity as well. We have m- less capacity for emotional interactions and experiences as well, or that a kind of tolerance around certain situations. So to be mindful of that as well. But first and foremost with that, just to to remind yourself and to keep reminding yourself that this is not a reflection of who I am as a person. I have full worth, I have full value, and this is something that I have before I do anything, say anything, all of that. So just to be aware of that and aware of those maybe previously held beliefs that we would have have kind of had as part of our our mindset or part of our experience Mm -hmm. as well. And you know, it's 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 something that, realistically speaking, it needs to be addressed whether or not we want to or whether or not we should be feeling like this. More inverted commas. But uh, there can be a real difference between I'm having a difficult experience versus I should be able to deal with this. I should be able to handle this. You know what I mean? And this is something I always talk about the shoulds all the time. I love, talking, I love talking about them. I'm like a broken record, aren't I? I just like to drive those key points home. <laughs> but um, yeah, this idea of, okay, well, what's the reality of the situation? The reality of the situation is that I am impacted. There's lots of different reasons. There's, we have to focus on our greater context. Aside from a natural tendency to think, okay, well, it must be my fault. How do I, what do I do? And what we tend to do in that is become harder and harder on ourselves. No, if we can have that space for clear communication for with somebody that we trust, that we feel comfortable with within that workplace setting, while keeping that constant reminder that, okay, this is something that is affecting me because of lots of different reasons. This is something that is affecting me and I deserve to get the kind of consideration and the kind of support that is needed in a situation like this. You know what I'm saying? So if you have um, a manager or a mentor or somebody like that to reach out and to describe the experience while also trying to keep it as non-judgmental as possible and trying not to get in there with the apologies. I'm sorry about this. I'm sorry about this. Look at nobody wants to experience burnout. It's the worst. Okay. So mm-hmm. nobody wants to be in that position because it is so, so difficult. And if we put that kind of uh, need to apologize on top of it, then that's more pressure. So allowing yourself to say, okay, can I look at this as a situation that needs to be dealt with outside of the, the, the kind of personalization of it? Same way, let's say if you've got a project and work or you had something to do, you think, Okay, let's think about this. 
What do I need to do to sort it out? What do I need to do to get on top of it? What do I need to do to help myself within this situation? And if, if you are that kind of practically minded or you can link in with somebody who is practically minded while also allowing yourself to have that very real, very valid emotional experience around the difficulty of burnout, then you're providing yourself with that kind of um, structural support, I suppose. And you know what? If you are in a position and you're having that conversation with the manager and you're saying that I am, I am in this position, I am having this experience, you're allowing them to understand uh, what it's like from your perspective. And it could easily be the case that it's not just you in a situation like this because the, um, the experience of burnout comes from lots of different factors it could very well mean that other people are experiencing those different factors because it's not just you. So by flagging this, you're, you're doing your, your manager and you're doing your workplace a real um, kindness, a service there by saying, this is the reality of the situation here. Let's be mindful of this. Let's, let's, let's focus on this in the right way, in the supportive way, in the kind of realistic way as well. 100%. No. Yeah. Such good tips there. I, I think um, um, as we like, I think the only thing that I would maybe complement that with is, again, like acting on the, the service part. You know, usually we go to companies because we believe in the product or the service that they're delivering, mm. which means we've already committed on an emotional level, on some level, in some regard, to this company mm. um we believe in le the leadership we we're proud of the work that we do and that the company does on in a you know in a in most in most circumstances so from that perspective then as well if you're burnt out um and you're thinking you know workload is not being managed appropriately that's that's a sure sure conversation just to start with your manager just to say can we look at my workload mm. uh, can we look at prioritizing tasks and can we you know agree what might you know might not be possible in the long run given the time associated to each task or you know just how um uh, how they might feed into other departments and tasks and how it's all there might be delays naturally along the way somewhere. So mm. I think like that conversation around workload is, is important to have. Um, it uh, indirectly gives the individual a bit of control over the situation as well. Mm. Um, prioritization of tasks is great as well, especially if you're going, oh, I need to get everything done. I, I, there's, I can't drop any of the balls here. They all need to get done. Yeah. It's something we hear regularly. Um, and maybe there are circumstances for people who are listening saying, yeah, it's not possible to prioritize. Everything needs to get done. But I would say yeah. to what detriment? Because once your health is gone, it's not an easy road to recover from. So mm. your health, your well-being, you know, that's your that's your source of of life, of energy. You know, everything that you can achieve in your mm. life comes mm. from your well-being, um, and and how you're able to interact with people, to others, your environment. So yeah. um, that is really important. And I, mm. I think the other thing then that managers um, have been really aware of throughout the pandemic is the importance of showing value to your team um i think you know, oh yeah yeah and and mm. it, it means the world even if you're saying it from peer to peer you know mm. to have one of your peers say oh you did a really good job there i could learn something from you or i'm impressed by that like you any employee in the organization could be a source of um can show a source of um uh, value to the another person and the work that they're doing and contributing towards um, the overall organizational goals so if you've got colleagues that you're seeing are doing great work don't hesitate to let them know and if yeah. you're a manager it's that sense of just continuous um, reflection reward gratitude and appreciation for the work that is being done mm. um, because that builds a sense of cohesion it, it leaves you feeling then as your work is purposeful it's meaningful it's being and it's contributing towards the the, the organizational goals um and and that, those are huge values that people really do um put a lot place a lot of importance on um so i would say yeah from a 
organization's perspective to keep looking at those things and you know an organization isn't just an abstract concept um you know it's it's made up by all these individuals um who are very talented who are there for a reason to contribute something towards the company so why do you want to let them go and i yeah. think that's the thing that needs to come back in that community the the collective um and throughout the pandemic we've seen this disintegration of social support mm. um and uh, there was a great report um last october from burnout britain um here in the uk obviously <laughs> so- <laughs> <laughs> geography lesson as well great <laughs> write stuff down so it's just it's just highlighting you know this is going to get worse if we don't pay attention to it and Mm. um there are certain groups as well uh, they in that report and McKinsey have noted the same or similar findings as well just to say that parents um more predominantly in female caregivers who are carrying the burden of the homework the housework as well as caring for the children and mm. still um doing their professional roles there's a prediction that more women are going to be leaving the workforce so how does that then impact diversity and how does that impact um competitiveness and the loss of skill and talent that that might drive because um we know diverse teams outperform non-diverse teams so you want that in your business you want to retain mm. that knowledge that skill set mm. and that ability to um, bring in diverse perspectives and hopefully create a more uh, competitive product or service mm. so definitely um that's that's a key thing to kind to keep an eye on as well if you do have any caregivers uh, parents in your teams having a conversation with them and seeing how they're managing juggling everything that's going on yeah um and then the other thing that is kind of apparent is some of the more drastic measures that, uh, and I say drastic in terms of um, before the pandemic, they wouldn't have happened. Um, but maybe in light of the current circumstances, they're not so drastic. They're more like the um, the pause breakers, uh, circuit breakers. That's what I want to say in, mm. the, in, the, in the accumulation of burnout. So you look at Bumble, Bumble, um, the online dating app. I know. Um, yeah <laughs> <laughs> very intriguing go on <laughs> so bumble um they closed their offices for a week because of the high levels of burnout that was coming through from the organization but then this came out you know this is in the media and they said this isn't a solution closing the offices for a week is not going to solve the levels of burnout but we need to create that circuit breaker to give everyone that time to pause reflect and breathe come back and let's put a strategy together so that they've then come out maybe I think a few months after saying this is what we're going to do to look after mental health mm. um, I think um, other companies you know maybe paused KPIs for the year and just said look we know you're doing a great job keep doing a great job stop taking on additional um, projects just ensure that your main ta- part of your role continues and and do that as well as you can mm. other companies have included additional parental leave for people who might have children in, re- in reflection of you know some of the data that's coming through but i would say that those changes were made before these reports were coming out that i was seeing in any case mm. so you have some really um thoughtful and forward-thinking leaders who aren't just waiting for everything to fall apart they're seeing the trends coming through they're listening to their employees and they're going we need to do something now before we start losing Mm. our talent and the teams that are in essence driving our success so um and then in iceland as well there was a four i think it was a four-year longitudinal study um in which they measured the impact of the four-day working week yeah now you know, there are many different ways to bring about this breathing space. Some organisations might say we can't have a four day working week. That wouldn't work operationally. But we do know that those who are working remotely are working more intensely. Um, there's less uh, natural cues for breaks mm. um, and you're not seeing people. Yeah. You know? Yeah. social support element gone mm. um and you, you we, we're all trying to replicate that as best as we can online but it's not the same as being with your colleagues in definitely person. not no not the same and i think that there is the great thing about those kind of uh 
movements or those processes is that there's a realistic output or there's a realistic um, outlook on on those things. And there is this idea of, okay, it's not reactionary. It can't be. And also there is, like you say, around the, the kind of circuit breaker, there is the re- realistic viewpoint as well around that, that, okay, we know that this isn't a, a, a fix-all situation, but it is and needs to be part of a bigger kind of system or a bigger plan, you know, to have that. And realistically speaking, for to, to look at what the reality of the situation is like now versus what it'll be like as time rolls on versus what it'll be like as, you know, the cumulative effect of all these things happens. To, to, to bear that in mind is such an important part of managing a situation and how burnout, burnout can result from any given situation. Yeah. You know what I mean? And for, for, for workplaces like for, for, for workplaces to, to create space to hear the things they may not want to hear or that don't fit in with maybe previously held plans and to have that dynamic approach to what it means to create that collective process as well, because you're only sort of swimming against the tide otherwise. 100%. Uh, and I guess just not to get defensive in that process as well. Totally. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and, and this idea of, well, this is the way we've always done this. Yes, but we haven't uh, lived throughout a global pandemic where so many people have had to work remotely and have been away from their loved ones and their family and are connecting through screens where there's audio delays, there's visual delays, there isn't like um, eye to eye contact. And there's all of these different factors that comes into that uh, space that feels real, but is not the same. So we're not getting the same um, payoff that we get from a face-to-face situation. So all of these, uh, all of these things seem like small things, but they're not small things. They all have an impact and they all have that cumulative impact as well. So to be mindful of all of that stuff and to say, okay, this is not the greatest situation that we find ourselves in, but can we go with it? Can we move with it? Can we move accordingly? Mm-hmm. you know yeah and I think the the only other thing to note then is like we are talking a lot about the pandemic and remote work but burnout didn't just crop up in response to the burnout uh, in response to the pandemic burnout yeah. has been here before the pandemic when we were all 100% on site um, or in the office so mm. I think you know the signs and symptoms still look the same mm but they're harder to spot remotely Mm. and the support all is is still the same as well Mm. when you're thinking about your employees being Mm. um, in the office um the only thing that might be easier is that if you are in the office maybe on the same day as your manager is they'll see it much more quickly they'll pick up on the changes and they will know the work and how it's been coming through and you know where the pressures are mm-hmm. um so the visibility on it might be easier yeah but you have to um there might be some level of upskilling there for a manager to be able to understand that this isn't just a behavioral issue in terms of disengagement maybe if they're only seeing um some behavioral changes it's mm-hmm. really having the skills to have the conversation, open conversation, and to be able to say, are you okay? I've noticed maybe you're not behaving in the same way as you would normally. You know, you're coming into work late and you're withdrawing from the team. You're not having lunch with us. You're not contributing as much as you used to. You're Mm. quiet a lot in the team meetings. Is there something that I can support you with? Or is there something you know, we can talk about and just see what's happening. Mm. And and that does take a lot of, um, uh, well, a number of things. Confidence for a manager to be able to open up those conversations because they can be scary in the beginning if you're not used to working in that way. Mm. You might feel like you'll make things worse or you're, you're treading into personal territory that you as a manager have no right to enter into. Mm. Um, but it's also the sense of, well, what do I do with this next after someone said there might be yeah. a problem? What now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what as well, from the, let's say, the employee's perspective as well, there needs 
needs to be that, uh, and we've definitely spoke about this before, but there needs to be that distinction between uh, if I talk to you about this, if I open up myself to you, if I, <clears throat> if I am vulnerable with you, this can't have an effect or it shouldn't have an effect on my, uh, my role. This can't have a knock-on effect. Does that make sense? So there may be that those kind of reservations around saying, okay, well, if I say I'm struggling, will this have an effect on my ability to go for a promotion or go for a raise or to keep my space or anything like that, mm-hmm. or to show my, my, my ability? Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think um, just noting the next piece that I was going to mention from a very um professional and uh, personal viewpoint is we have half a team of therapists and counsellors and psychologists who are um, in many ways um, on the front line providing um, emotional support to a client load and we've like this is this is well documented in the media now this importance of recognizing therapist burnout Mm. um, as we go through this parallel process and we you know we'll therapists will be living the same situation but providing uh, support on an emotional level to um, their clients who are experiencing similar or distressing events pandemic or non-pandemic related life still continues to throw up these challenges that we do need to look outside of ourselves for a little bit of additional support from a mental health professional so I know from um, our training perspective I've been seeing so many of the providers um, in terms of counselling schools looking to provide additional training to their therapists to ensure that they've got that little circuit breaker again to Mm. ensure that they're pausing to reflect on what their needs are how they're being met and what self-care is um, in terms of yes looking on after yourself um, on the individual level but also in terms of your role and ensuring that you have the professional support available to you um, in terms of supervision for example to protect you from the 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 potential of burnout Mm. so um, just a little shout out to all of our team and our well-being <laughs> specialists. And your Thank you on behalf of all of us. <laughs> I'll take that one. <laughs> you are doing a, um, a very meaningful role um, in in a very challenging time. So I think I have mm. to um, say that definitely um, to, yeah. to recognize and acknowledge our own internal teams. Um, yeah. So. What you're saying is I get a half day now to dinner, is it? I just go <laughs> straight out the door now at lunchtime. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, no, to be serious, though, uh, absolutely fair in that sense of anybody who's in a profession like myself, psychotherapy, or anybody that's in a kind of a caring profession, any kind of a profession, you know, needs uh support because outside of your role and outside of what you do as part of your work you're also a human as well and you're also living within that that tighter capacity the same way as anybody else and there might be uh those people let's say that have that feeling of oh well i do this all the time i should and i'm i I can speak personally on that i am a devil for that where i would say i talk to people about this all the time surely i should know what to do when i get into um, difficulties or challenges or anything like that. So then you're cutting yourself off the path because you're thinking, well, I must be useless or maybe that's just my train of thought. But uh, it's, 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 it's a thing whereby, okay, well, your own experience of taking care of yourself is outside of your role, whatever that role is, and that support system needs to be there. So whatever shape that takes for yourself long-term has to be there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You're not immune to it, regardless of whatever role you do. And I think Mm. um, what I've been seeing from the British Psychological Society, there have been so many more psychologists speaking up and saying, yeah, you know, mental health. um, You know, I suffer from mental health illness and Mm. this is how I still do my uh, this is how I uh, sorry, not still do my job. This is how I am able to do my job. And this is the support I get to do it because I I wanted to just um, reframe that because there are times when people's mental health illness is so significant and severe that it's not possible and again there's no weakness there and not being able to do it's an illness you need to yeah. have the care the treatment um to be able to recover from it mm. so Mm. I think I'd yeah. just say like if you if you have um any form of um counseling available to you 
um, check it out if you feel you need it, whether it's your employee assistance program or you've got friends in your group who are psychotherapists and I'm sure everyone comes to you and <laughs> therapy. And would you just do about this? <laughs> um, yeah, but- stop, stop ringing me to be in a <laughs> Um, but yeah just the sense of um you don't always need to have the answer you don't need to people aren't necessarily looking for a solution sometimes they just want to get out of their head Mm. all this the things that they're thinking and feeling and just help unravel it uh in a very safe space so if you've got a good Mm. friend or a manager or someone who you feel comfortable speaking to if if it's not a mental health professional Mm. that's a great first start and if you do feel you need um uh counseling and therapy um it's it's might be one of the best things that you might try just to take some of the just to help unravel what you might be experiencing and build some skills from the the, the time that you have with mm. um, a trained professional. Yeah, and you know what, like that point about there not needing to be or or there not being a solution is a great one because we often feel like we have to with the kind of uh, the fixers of us or the minders of us feel like we need to okay I'll sort this out by getting to a solution but you're absolutely right there are spaces or potential spaces in your world where you can just say I'm having an awful time or I just I feel cranky today or I feel quite sad or I feel quite anxious or whatever it is you don't need to find a solution for that you know and uh, just getting over it. This is, I know that I'm sad. I sound like a broken record with that because I'm always bringing that up as a pet peeve of mine. But people are like, uh, just get over it. But uh, sometimes to have that space to open up, to hear yourself uh, talking about what's happening for you in your head and in your heart, you know, that's so powerful. It really is. I know that as a psychotherapist, I'm biased because <laughs> talk therapy is my vibe, but um, <laughs> it's, uh, it is so useful and so helpful and so powerful, especially if you are uh, in a position when you haven't had a lot of communication or you haven't had a lot of face-to-face communication. If you are at home, if you are remote, if you're living by yourself or anything like that, just to speak up and to just say, this is all I need to do mm-hmm. in this space, not to go... I need to figure this out or I need to find that solution, like you say, or anything like that. Just do it. Yeah. No. Yeah. Do it. If you want to, if you want to, no pressure. Yeah. <laughs> no pressure. You have agency. You have agency. <laughs> oh, Anne, it's been great speaking with you today on such an important topic. Thank you so much for everything that um, you've raised here today. And we really hope that um, if there is anyone listening and they're feeling that they're feeling the pinch of burnout, um, or they're struggling with trying to understand what they're feeling, mm-hmm. then please do reach out to someone. Um, as I said, if you have an employee assistance program with counsellors available to you, or you have um, someone in your network or a manager, or uh, if you are, if you, there is a counsellor that you feel you can, you know, maybe that's something you can start up, then please do those things. Um, we don't want anyone experiencing this and suffering in silence. Thank you for listening to another episode of Zevo Talks. As we discussed, burnout is very much real. It's here and it really requires a whole systems approach to supporting the prevention and the recovery of it. So we really look forward to welcoming you, um, you back to another episode of Zevo Talks. Thanks, everyone.